Welcome, everyone, to the Fantasy and Betting Podcast presented by the 33rd Team. I'm your host, as always, Josh Lurkey, joined, as always, by my co-host, Ryan Reynolds. We have a great show for the people today. We're going to talk about some decision points with the Week 14 Fantasy Rankings that I have on the site and where I'm straying from consensus. Then we will be diving into Weather Week. Week 14 has a lot of weather. Ryan has studied these games. He's going to talk about how he handles the weather, how it affects your fantasy teams, how it affects betting on totals, on spreads. Then we're going to touch on our fantasy football playoff guide, helping you navigate weeks 15, 16, and 17, and understanding how the schedule will affect booms and busts for your fantasy players. We'll we'll touch on some fantasy defenses. It's going to be a great show. Ryan, why don't we just dive right into some fantasy rankings? All right, Josh, the first thing I notice here is you have Justin Fields at quarterback four. Fantasy Pros consensus has him quarterback seven this week in Chicago against the Lions. What are you thinking on Fields this week? Week 11, these teams played. Fields put up 21 fantasy points. He didn't do anything in the fourth quarter. They milked the multi-touchdown lead, and they lost. He had literally zero passing yards in the fourth quarter. He attempted one pass. It was incomplete. If we look at the Lions defense since week seven, They've struggled. They've been hit with injuries. 8.7 yards per pass attempt allowed is second highest in the NFL. 21 fantasy points per game on average to opposing quarterbacks. That's sixth in that time span. They just lost defensive tackle Aleem McNeil to injured reserve. He's been their second best pass rusher this year after Aiden Hutchinson. So a depleted pass rush. That should only help Fields in the passing game. And if wind hits, well, that's totally fine for Justin Fields. He's got his legs He ran for 104 yards on 18 carries in that week 11 matchup. I just see too many paths for fields to have a high floor and a pretty solid ceiling in this one. And I'm going to be starting him over most quarterbacks. Next up, Josh, you have Kyron Williams at running back three. Consensus has him at running back 11 against the Ravens in Baltimore. Where's your head? Where's your head at here, Josh? Yeah, Ryan, I kind of thought usually when someone says it's a bad weather game, that's if anything going to be neutral, maybe a little bit good for the run game. So already I'm a little surprised there. Kyron Williams is averaging 21.2 fantasy points per game in PPR formats, over 21 fantasy points. We should like that. At least 15 combined carries and targets in every game this year. At least 20 in five of his eight games this year. The past two games since he returned from injury, he had 22 and 26 opportunities respectively. And he scored 20 and 38 PPR fantasy points in those contests. Kyron Williams has two games this year with at least 140 rushing yards, two games with six receptions. I don't see how game script or opponent affects him. I'd say he's one of five or six fantasy running backs that we should plug and play no matter what. So knowing that fantasy pros had consensus has him ranked in a place where some people won't have him crack the RB2 slot was pretty crazy to me. Next up, Josh. You have Saquon Barkley at running back 17 this Monday night against the Packers. Consensus has him as running back eight. Why are you so different? Right, I think you'll agree with me. Uh, Giants offense is pretty hard to watch. The Packers have potential to blow out the Giants. We just saw them kind of pass at will against the Chiefs, who are a much better defense. The past three games with DeVito as the full-time starter, Saquon Barkley's been under eight fantasy points in two of those three games. Some might say, well, Josh, but you you cannot ignore that third fantasy point outburst from two weeks ago. Oh, but I can. That was against Washington. Everyone destroys Washington. The Packers and the Commanders have very little in common on defense. I I think Saquon Barkley's floor is five, six, seven fantasy points. I do not like how low that is. I would not be ranking him as a top eight running back this week. 
Yeah, real quick on this matchup. It's it, this is an interesting one for me because from a pure football standpoint, I agree. I think Green Bay blows the doors off the Giants. But from a sports better standpoint, I think the Giants cover. So I'm pretty torn on that one. Next up, Josh, you have Derrick Henry at running back 21. Consensus has him as running back 17 this week. What are your thoughts here? We've talked a lot this year about how Derrick Henry hasn't looked quite as explosive as he has in past years. We've talked at length about how the Titans have arguably the worst offensive line in football. In one-score games or games where the, the Titans win, he's averaging 18 fantasy points a game. In blowout losses where they lose by multiple scores, Derrick Henry averages three and a half fantasy points per game. Not 18, three and a half. He's incredibly game script dependent. I looked at the betting markets. The Titans are 13 point underdogs against the Dolphins on Monday night. I'm not, I don't actually don't think Henry scores three and a half points. That's a small sample, but I, I think it shows uh, that the floor is terrifyingly low in these blowout losses. And I, I do think uh, Vegas has this right. I think they lose by multiple touchdowns. That's Jay Larky tweets. Next up, Josh, the big one here. Justin Jefferson's back. You have him as wide receiver 19. Consensus has him as wide receiver six. That's a pretty big gap. Tell us about it. Ryan, I'm angry. This is the first time this year that I've been genuinely angry at fantasy analysts. I looked at the betting markets and Justin Jefferson's receiving yards prop and his return is 64 and a half yards. And remember, fantasy wide receiver six, according to consensus, wide receiver six, 64 and a half yards. Devontae Adams, his prop is 68 and a half yards. His prop is higher than Justin Jefferson. Yet Adams is not the wide receiver six. He's the wide receiver 16. What the heck are fantasy analysts looking at? If we turn to the quarterbacks, we've got Josh Dobbs and Aiden O'Connell. Their passing yards props are within 10 yards of each other. Their passing touchdowns props have basically identical odds. Josh Dobbs and Justin Jefferson have never played an NFL game together before. What the hell are we doing here? Oh, man. Talk about bringing the heat there, Josh. Elijah Moore, you have him at wide receiver 27. Consensus has him at wide, as wide receiver 35. I'd say Moore is a bit of a thin play, but you're definitely higher on him than most. Why is that? I am, and uh, fortunately for the listeners, I'm not angry about this one. So they, this is assuming Amari Cooper's out with a concussion. Last week in the first game of Joe Flacco, Elijah Moore had 12 targets. That was a 29% target share. He only caught four for 83 yards, but Ryan, let me tell you this. The guy had 255 air yards. Generally, good things come when you're getting funneled 12 targets deep down the field. Joe Flacco's 254 passing yards were off the street, and they were the second best of a Cleveland Browns quarterback this year. The Jaguars have struggled to contain pass attacks this year. They're allowing 261 passing yards per game, third but only 93 rushing yards per game, 28th. I believe the, the Browns will once again lean a little bit on Joe Flacco. And reports are also surfacing that Trevor Lawrence might actually play this week. I know that our uh, resident doctor, Doc Flynn, has said she believes Lawrence suits up for this one. Even if it's Beathard, mm. I think Elijah Moore can hit. And uh, if it's Lawrence, then I'm just even, even more optimistic about Mr. Elijah Moore. I tell you what, Doc Flynn's pretty reliable, so that's very interesting information, Josh. Jackson Smith Najigba, you have him as wide receiver 44. Consensus has him as wide receiver 32 against the 49ers. You know, what are you thinking here, Josh? Uh, this one, I, I was actually shocked. I thought I was too high on him at wide receiver 44. Wide receiver 32 is crazy. The past six games, Jackson Smith and Jigba's max PPR fantasy points is 13. He's averaged 10 per game the past six games. 
Four of his past six games, the target share was under 16%. He's just not a big part of the offense. Some might be like, well, Josh, he's trending up. He had a season-high 11 targets last week. He caught seven for 62 yards. Congrats, everyone. That was a 41-35 game against the Cowboys with zero punts. And again, he had 13 fantasy points. If that's really what you're so excited about, sure. Uh, if, you, if you think this is going to be a blowout, you can cross your fingers for 13 fantasy points. The last time that these two teams played, the Niners defense shut down Seattle on Thanksgiving. Jackson Smith and Jigba had an 11% target share. He had three targets against the Niners. He caught two for 41 yards. I think that should be the expectation. Uh, wide receiver 32 implies many teams are starting him. I have him on a lot of teams myself. I don't believe I'm starting him anywhere this week. I'll give you an example, Josh. I have a flex spot with Gabe Davis, DeAndre Swift, Josh Downs, JSN, and uh, Jalen Warren. I'm not even considering playing Jalen JSN amongst those options. Next up, Same. Josh. Isaiah Likely. You have him at tight end 13. Consensus has him as tight end eight against the Rams this week. Give us what you got on that. This is just a classic case of fantasy analysts ignoring the betting markets. The betting markets have Isaiah Lakely's over-under receiving yards at 34.5 with heavy juice to the under. They have him receptions, 3.5. Heavy juice to the under. Seems like the expectation should be three catches and 30 yards. If you look at his touchdown odds, because you might say like, oh, he's probably going to score. Well, I don't think so. His touchdown odds are plus 320. That implies that he's scoring a touchdown less than one in four games. You're probably getting four to eight fantasy points. How can anyone start this guy as a fantasy tight end one, a, a top eight option this week? That's Jay Larky tweets. Once again, his fantasy rankings are on the site on Tuesday afternoons. Him, Kev, Kev, Kev Wheeler, Matthew Hill. Sorry about the botch there, Kev. And I rank defenses for us. So check them out every week. We update them throughout the week as well. Ryan, let's let's turn to weather week. There's a, there's some game totals that are starting to fall in the betting markets. People are realizing that it is not uh, it's not all sunny skies, clear weather this week. But first, before we talk about those games, when does weather become a factor for you? Because I think some people actually have it wrong when they say, oh, it's cold. Let's fade this game. And uh, you actually look at a lot of stuff that is not purely just, is it cold? Yeah, for me, snow, rain, cold doesn't really concern me unless it's extreme. If it's 20 degrees, I don't care at all. If it's negative five, that's a little bit of a different story. You know, five degrees, once it starts hovering around zero, it matters. With rain, if it's 38 degrees and raining, that's a miserable outing. I could see, I'll, I'll start it leaning towards an under in that situation. And snow, it's the same thing. If it's extreme, I care. If it's flurries, I don't care at all. What I do care about is wind. If it starts hitting, if the projection is 20 miles an hour sustained, that's when I start paying attention to things, especially if it's in Buffalo, Chicago, or Cleveland. Just about every year, one of those 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 specific cities have a bad wind game where the, the under is basically like a gimme. And then other ones, New England, Baltimore, Kansas City, and any game at Giant Stadium can also, you know, any game that's around 20 mile an hour wins, that's when I start to worry. If it starts inching towards 30, I, I bet unders constantly in those scenarios. Ryan, some listeners out there just want you to tell them which games to be concerned about. Give me, give me a couple games already that have, uh, we'll, we'll say, a high level of concern. Yeah, so far Baltimore's trending towards being at 20 miles an hour or better. That's the one that I'm most concerned about. Next up, Chicago and Cleveland. Those projections have actually gotten a little better as the week's gone on, but still, I want to make sure they're not around 20 miles an hour, especially since 
games tend there's at least one game a year at those ven venues that that's a problematic one and the jets game's a bit dicey that's getting near 20 miles an hour wind i live 45 minutes from that stadium so i'll have a pretty good idea what's going on there as we get closer to sunday Ah, oh, that Ravens uh, weather game. Music to my ears with Mr. Isaiah Likely and the yeah. fade. Now, give, give us a couple games where you aren't super concerned right now, but you are going to be checking. It might impact some fantasy decisions come Sunday morning. Yeah, Bengals-Colts is a big one, um, especially because both of those teams have relevant players. So that one's not a concern right now. But again, a, a game in Ohio in general, uh, if it's – if it's on my radar, I'm going to pay attention to that at the last minute. Then Monday night Monday night at MetLife with the Giants and the Packers, that one doesn't seem to be in too much danger right now. But if, if the Jets game's bad and that weather's still in the area, I'll have a pretty good read on that. I have that one on my radar as well. Folks, you can follow Ryan Reynolds at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. His expert picks and predictions for every game hit the 33rdteam.com today. It's free to read. And he's going to have his betting preview for every single game that comes out on Saturday. So if you want to know exactly what he's betting on in the games, make sure you check out that Saturday piece. Ryan, let's now turn to the fantasy playoffs. We're in week 14, which means that in many leagues, week 15 next week is the start of the playoffs. And if not, then week 16. We created a fantasy football playoffs guide. This is something that you've been doing for many, many years. And you were generous enough to let me co-author this one with you. We looked at weeks 15, 16, 17. We looked at schedule analysis. We looked at individual positions. Let's start with a, a couple game environments that are of interest. So week 16, the, the fantasy football semifinals. <clears throat> We've got the, the Bears and the Cardinals. And what, it, what I think is interesting here is that the Cardinals, just in general, are kind of a great matchup for fantasy points. The sixth best matchup for quarterbacks, the second best for running backs when you adjust for schedule. The Bears have also just shown that they can put up points in any game that Justin Field starts. We have the flip side. Kyler Murray's playing for his career. Cardinals are currently projecting for a pretty high pick. Whether he plays in Arizona next year or somewhere else, these final few weeks of the season are very, very important for him. To this, to this point, he's been pretty good for fantasy, but not necessarily very good for real-life NFL action. There might be some weather in Chicago, too, in this game. Ryan, what else do you want to add here? Yeah, I mean, we've had so many quarterback injuries this year. These are, I'd say, two of the top 10 most stable guys you can just plug and play, regardless of matchup. The upside's pretty considerable here. Big big spot for DJ Moore, potentially. Big spot for James Conner, potentially. And on the other side, maybe Hollywood Brown goes off here. You know, a lot of potential here. And like you said, both teams are going to be motivated. And, and the one th the one caveat here, and this is why I want this is why I want to talk about this game specifically is in, in December in, in October I don't really care about weather you know it is what it is but in December you have to factor in that a game in Buffalo a game in Chicago especially when it's in the middle of December or late December you have to weigh in some downside there so Kyler Murray in a ten degree game with twenty five mile an hour winds that changes the whole dynamic if that's the, the environment but still the upside's here so we have to pay attention to these to this contest. Week 17, we have two juggernauts. The Ravens host the Dolphins. I remember early 2022 when our head of DFS, Jordan Vanek, made a lot of money with a, a nice little Tua Tagovailoa stack. Miami, in a barn burner, beat the Ravens 42-38. Tua had 469 passing yards, six passing touchdowns. This year is a little bit of a different story. The Ravens' defense has been a top-five unit this year. Miami struggled against talented defenses. And then even Miami's defense is surging. Jalen Ramsey returned at corner. And since then, they've been a top 10 unit. There might be some weather in Baltimore. What else should the listeners need to know about this game, Ryan? 
I'm glad you mentioned Jordaning because like we just started to get to know each other at this point. And this was like the moment where I was like, I love this guy because I too was like on the Dolphins offense, but he went a week earlier with it than I did. I'll remember that forever. Because again, talk about a 500 foot home run, Josh Jordan. Um, this year, no one's been less impressed with the Ravens offense than me. I watch every snap of every game. You know, Lamar Jackson's a great player, but his season's closer to Daniel Jones 2022 campaign than everyone wants to talk about to this point. Maybe he goes crazy down the stretch, but like you said, this game has the, the shootout potential. We saw it last year, but we're talking about two good defenses here. These teams are going to be playing for maybe the number one seed in the AFC at this point. So I call these variable games. Sure, it can go over 60 points, but if the final here was 24-20, wouldn't even mildly surprise me. Now let's talk about a few quarterback schedules. Uh, let's talk about two of the premium options with interesting weeks 15 through 17. Let's start with Patrick Mahomes. Massive fantasy disappointment this year. We're, we're probably still starting him. I want to know how queasy I should be about some of these because week 15 at New England, Foxborough. Week 16, home game against the Raiders. And then week 17, we were robbed. Joe Burrow's season has ended. It will be Patrick Mahomes hosting Jake Browning's Bengals. What I find interesting about this is these are three games against offenses that probably aren't going to do very much against the Chiefs defense. So Kansas City could absolutely run away with time of possession in these contests. And they also probably want to get this offense going later in the season. So obviously Mahomes' supporting cast is not what it's been. They've struggled because of that. It's not a him problem, but there is massive spike weak potential in all of these games. So if Mahomes had his three of his, say, five best outputs of the year through this stretch, wouldn't surprise me at all. C.J. Stroud, the rookie, he's leading the NFL in passing yards per game. He's on pace for over 5,000 passing yards and over 28 passing touchdowns. Those are uh, great numbers for anyone, especially a rookie, especially one who uh, heading into this year, we were very concerned about the supporting cast. I think we and pretty much everyone else on the planet got this wrong. Nobody saw him leading the NFL in passing yards through 13 weeks. Will he carry that momentum forward? Weeks 15 through 17, he faces the Titans twice in weeks 15 and 17. Week 16 is a little scarier, scarier against Cleveland. How would you ideally handle him for the the Stroud fantasy managers? I'm going to say two things about this. One, I'm playing him. Against, I'm playing him against the Titans in both spots in a variety of scenarios. For instance, I have a team with Justin Herbert and C.J. Stroud. I'm actually going to play Stroud over Herbert in both of those spots. That's my intention right now. But I am going to try to avoid that Week 16 game against the Browns. I I, I think this this season's been more about Stroud than a supporting cast. I think he's a talent elevator. I was not expecting anywhere close to what he's done this year, but I'm going to try to stay away from that one. And the other thing I'll say here, Josh, is that week 17 home matchup in a dome against the Titans. I mean, if, I, if I'm in my fantasy championship with like considerable money on the line and that's what I'm seeing on the other side, I'm actually genuinely concerned. I think Stroud could put up 35 points in that game. I think so too. Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds, NFL on Twitter. All right, Ryan, right back at you. Uh, I don't have a premium quarterback. I don't know what to do in my league. Give me, uh, who's your favorite streamer for the fantasy playoffs? I like Matthew Stafford because he has two really good spots. Week 15, he gets the commander's defense. Like you caught this last year with the Vikings. I think the commanders are the Vikings of 2023. You just play whoever you can against them. And with Stafford, Stafford could hang three, 400 yards and multiple scores against them. I love that. The week 17 against the Giants. Um, I'm a little bit concerned that the Giants offense can't push them at all at this point, but they're going to blitz Stafford and Stafford is the sort of quarterback that could that could shred them. They're going to be in the playoff hunt, so they're going to be very motivated. I think, again, I have him on another team with Herbert. I'm going to start Stafford in Week 15. 
Gonna maybe I think the Chargers play the Broncos in Week 17. That's gonna be a real decision for me. Let's turn to running backs, Ryan. Uh, you know, I I, I looked. You had a section in there about it was basically premium wide receivers and tight ends that have good schedule runs and bad schedule runs. First up, I'm gonna ask you about two guys here, Josh. The first one's Josh Jacobs. So Josh Jacobs, weeks 15 and 16, he gets the Chargers, he gets the Chiefs. Divisional matchups, we've seen Jacobs excel against both these teams. Chargers in general, that's just been a defense to target for basically every fantasy position this year. And then Kansas City's defense has been a run-funnel defense. They're allowing the fourth-fewest yards per pass attempt this year, yet the second-highest yards per carry to running backs to opposing offenses. And then Week 17 feels like a smash spot. A Colts team that ranks as the fourth-best overall matchup for fantasy running backs. These teams are playing for pretty much nothing other than bragging rights, most likely. I think this could, I, I get kind of shades of that Colts Titans shootout from last week for this game. Josh Jacobs is not under contract next year. He's going to want to prove himself. And again, he's not under contract. The Raiders have no incentive to preserve him. I think Jacobs is getting probably close to 75 touches over those three weeks in the fantasy playoffs. I like that. I know in that matchup with the Colts in week 17, I'd, I was out on Jacobs for the most part, but I did stack him with Michael Pippen, Pittman and best ball on purpose for this matchup. Next one, Josh, Jalen Waddle. This is one, I'm going to frame this like this. Every year there's a few guys that had really disappointing years, and then for whatever reason, you know, you know I'm a regression guy, they absolutely smash weeks 15 through 16, 17, carry you through the playoffs. You don't think Jalen Waddle's one of those guys. Tell us your concerns about him. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I really want to like Jalen Waddle. I, I love him this week against the Titans. I think he's a smash start. We debuted our, our start sit column for week 14 this week. We we talked about why Jalen Waddle is a smash start against the Titans. But unfortunately, weeks 15 through 17 are bad news. Uh, week 15, the Jets. You adjust for schedule. It is the worst matchup for fantasy receivers. Then the Cowboys in week 16, the 12th worst matchup for fantasy receivers. And then in week 17, the Ravens in what could potentially be a bad weather game. This is also just in general, the Ravens are the third worst matchup for fantasy wide receivers. Tyreek Hill is the best wide receiver in NFL history at this point. I, I don't think I'm willing to hear anything else after what we've seen this year. First guy that's on pace for over 2000 yards. He is completely matchup proof. He's a difference maker. We talked pre-show about how he has an incredible case actually for MVP. The same can't be said about Jalen Waddle. He's 21st in the NFL with 67 receiving yards per game on an explosive offense. It has been the Tyreek Hill show. And in these terrifying matchups, I'm going to be concerned about the number two option in that pass game. Yeah, it's, that's all very fair, Josh. And I, again, I have Jalen Waddle in a very good position where I could win several thousand dollars if he helps me get there. And that ruined my day a little bit, Josh. Next up, uh, you did a section on flexes that you know I, I, I was really looking forward to. How... Josh and I collabing on a lot of pieces, and you know, one of us usually thinks up the idea, and then we ask the other one to do certain sections, but we just let them rip. We let them handle it completely on their own. So, and and for week 15's flex, Josh has a number of number of options that you can check in our guide. But you put Tyler Algier against the Panthers, and this is exactly the kind of guy I was looking for. This is exactly the kind of guy I wanted him to write about because this guy doesn't normally make your starting lineups, but he's in an ex. You know, Josh is going to tell us why he wants him, but. This is the fringe play, Josh, where if you want upside, you like Algier. Tell us why. Yeah, I'm glad you chose the the absolute stinkiest out of all the Week 15 options I gave the good people. So first off, 
teams run at an incredibly high rate and with a lot of success against the Carolina Panthers. Then we look at the Falcons, and this is the run-heaviest team in the NFL. Tyler Algier's floor has been eight carries. He's had at least eight carries each of the past eight games. That's pretty good for someone that we can just think of as like a, a quote-unquote backup running back. I think he he's probably going to flirt with 10 to 15 carries in this one. They're going to be efficient. Panthers have allowed an NFL high. NFL high, 1.7 rushing touchdowns per game this year. No other defense is even close. And I also think this could be a blowout. I, I don't know what the what the, the Panthers are competing for right now. They, they just fired their head coach. Bryce Young is clearly overmatched with that offensive line and supporting cast. Falcons sneakily fighting for not just a playoff spot, but to just win the division. And I think this could be a blowout where Bijan Robinson gets there in fantasy, puts up two, three touchdowns, and then they hand it to Algier in the fourth quarter and he runs in a score or two himself. So I, I think there's sneaky 15 to 20 fantasy point upside from a player that you really just haven't started all year. Exactly, Josh. Exactly. In this particular matchup, if he has 80 yards rushing on 14 carries with a touchdown or two, like that's very much on the table. And that could be the difference in your matchup. I absolutely love that one. For week 16, the guy that I picked out here, Josh, Gabe Davis against the Chargers. Tell us about the ceiling for Davis in this matchup. So first off, Chargers have allowed an NFL high 290 passing yards per game to opponents. The Bills have been disappointing this year. It's mostly just been weird turnover variants. They, When you look at uh, pretty much any metric, like uh, yards per attempt, passing yards per game, EPA per play, this is a top five NFL offense still. Gabe Davis can always score 20 fantasy points in a week. In fact, he's actually done it four times this year. He's been under 10 fantasy points in six games. So what we could say is that he's a very boomer bust option. I think the arrow is kind of pointing up towards the, the boom given that the Bills should be kind of grasping for a wild card, that it's just a good matchup in general, and that Gabe Davis has generally excelled against some of these softer defenses. That's something I love about this, Josh. If the Bills are going to crawl back in the AFC, play, AFC playoff picture, Josh Allen's going to have to go scorched earth. And against this Chargers team, you know, we've seen Gabe Davis stack like a 40-point fantasy game again, and I don't want to say that's what he's going to do here, but that's not outside the realm of possibility in that matchup. Week 17, Josh, kind of a, a less interesting play, but on the other hand, probably quite a bit more controversial. I picked out Jonathan Mingo against the Jaguars. Tell us about that one. Yeah, I, sometimes I like players that everyone hates, and I think this is a good case of that. Mingo's quietly led the Panthers in targets each of the past two weeks. Last week, he had 10 targets. That was nearly a 40% target share. He caught six for 69 yards. That's not too exciting. That's only 13 fantasy points. But hey, if he scored a touchdown, suddenly you're you're nearly at 20. The second round rookie might keep heating up. Week 17, we've got that pass funnel Jaguars defense that we talked about earlier. It's a game where Trevor Lawrence will definitely be back and fully healthy from his high ankle sprain. I think Carolina is going to be trailing pretty much this entire game. They're going to have to pass a lot. And we've just kind of seen a changing of the guard where over the past few weeks, Thielen trending down, Mingo trending up. Would not be particularly surprising if Mingo gives you another six for 69 and this time gets in the box and suddenly you thank Mingo for 19 fantasy points. All right, defense time. Whew. Ryan, this is this is your bread and butter right here. Before we, we talk about a few of these uh, defense options concretely, discuss the process a little bit for anyone that's newer to the way that you talk about and think about fantasy defenses. I like defense more than offense. I'm a defense kind of guy, so I pay attention to it more. Um, 
In fantasy, what I'm looking for is I'm ideally looking for a trench advantage from the defense. Um, trying to think of one off the top of my head. Like, for instance, this week the Packers play the Giants. That the Their pass rush has a trench advantage. That, that elevates their ability to blow the doors off New York and dominate that game. I'm interested in that. Then, ideally, I want vulnerable quarterbacks that are going to lose. You know, if a vulnerable, if a volatile quarterback, like, for instance, tonight, Patriots-Steelers, I think that's probably going to be a very muddy game in most scenarios or neither offense really pulls away with this one. So both teams are going to be super conservative for as long as they can in that one for the most part. Where if, say, the Dolphins play the Titans, that's a game where I could see Will Levis throwing three interceptions in a, in a negative game script. So I'm more interested in a game like that in fantasy. And then sometimes, you know, Eagles, Cowboys, maybe there's turnovers and sacks and defensive touchdowns in there, but I trend to look for games the defense can actually dominate their opponent. Let's let's talk about a few uh, premium options now. A lot of people out there have just been riding one defense all year. They they picked one up in the the tenth, eleventh round of their fantasy draft, and they are just riding them into the sunset. Some of them don't have great schedules. Tell me a few that do have great schedules where we get not just the premium defense, but some very tantalizing opponents as well. And we talked about Patrick Mahomes' schedule before: Patriots, Bengals, and Raiders. If, the, if, if say, if Buffalo beats the Chiefs this week and people start dropping the Chiefs defense, I'm jumping on them. If if you need someone, I know in a league I have Dallas, who, who's the top scoring defense this, this year. If someone drops the Chiefs, I'm going to pick them up and play them each week. That's that's my favorite one. There's a few others, like the Ravens have kind of a dicey playoff schedule that I just mentioned Dallas is a dicey playoff schedule. The 49ers play Washington in week 17. That's the matchup you don't want to face. The Eagles get the Giants in Week 16, the Cardinals in Week 17, two two games where they could blow the absolute doors off their team. The Browns get the Jets in Week 17 at home on a Thursday night. That's a game where they can conceivably shut them out. And you know, the to to go with that too, the Jets defense they get the Commanders in Week 16, and they get the Browns themselves. So I think those are the those are the schedules that I like the most for defenses. Give me an under the radar defense that some people should be scooping up right now. Houston, you know, Houston plays the Jets this week, so I know in a couple of my leagues they already got taken, but, you know, we, we just talked about it. They get Will Levis in Week 15. They get week, Will Levis in Week 17, and then they get Joe Flacco in Week 16 at home. The Browns aren't a dominant defense, but they're a good one. They've made they've been the difference in a number of their victories this year. They're the most, like, middle-of-the-road defense that I want for the fantasy playoffs. You and I actually operate a little differently. Usually you're more of a premium defense guy. I'm a little bit more of a streamer. Uh, give me, a, give me a streamer defense that you really like uh, for these these playoffs. Well, first, before I give you that, I want to I want to point this out. The Bills are playing the Chiefs this week. If anyone drops them over the next couple of weeks, because I think they play they play Dallas soon too. So if anyone drops them, they get New England in Week 17. You don't want to be on the other side of someone starting the Bills against the Patriots defense in Week 17. So just at least block them if they come available. Otherwise, I think the Seahawks are the team I want. Seattle gets oh, – they get the Titans in Week 16. They get the Steelers in Week 17. They're going to be desperate. They're probably going to be 6-8 and because they play the 49ers this week, the Eagles next week. They're probably going to have to win out to make the playoffs. Those are two volatile quarterbacks. With The Steelers' offensive line is better. The Titans' offensive line is below average. So that's the matchup I really love, but they're very playable in both of those outings. Yeah, I will say in that – I was going to say that uh, Seahawks-Cowboys game. Crazy high scoring, no punts, but Dak took a, a, quite a few sacks in that one. I was actually quite impressed with the, the Seahawks pass rush. 
Yeah, I was surprised by that. Kind of less surprised by Geno Smith having a spike game because they needed it, but I was not expecting Seattle's pass rush to make a difference on the road. Now, Josh, let's close this out. Let's close this out with a big one here, pal. If it's not Christian McCaffrey, which running back has the most fantasy points per game through the fantasy playoff? All right. I'm looking at week 10. This running back had 24 combined carries and targets. He was on bye in week 11. Week 12, 22 combined carries and targets. Week 13, 23 combined carries and targets. This sounds like a bell cow to me. His fantasy playoff schedule, week 15, he has the third best fantasy matchup. It's against Carolina. Week 16, he has the fourth best fantasy matchup. It's the Colts. Coincidentally, week 17, we now hit the fifth best fantasy matchup against the Bears. If it's not Christian McCaffrey, it's going to be Bijan Robinson. 